just a guitar and some pillows in a room and you were working on one floor. We went up the steps and just began to pray. And the Lord began to say that a church would come out of it and people would go to nations and God was going to do something amazing. And so it's just a privilege to be with you now. This is, my Lord, 14 years later almost. E. I'm getting old. <laughs> so let's just say it was about four years ago. <laughs> It'll make me feel better about myself, just better about myself. You know, when Vera said, I've been to 60 nations, I thought, well, Lord Jesus, I think I'm going to start editing my bio and say six. You know, people can put the mileage together. You say 60, that, that brother got some miles on him right there, so. It's good to be with you. I'm excited because it's a good season. I'm going to talk about, Mama Vera said, I want you to go through because there was no other time for the rest of the year when we could come. And she said, I want you to go, but go during this time, she said, because I think you have a perspective on culture and black history that would be good to release in this hour. And so I want to touch on that, but I'm going to touch on it from a kingdom perspective. How do we change culture? How do we change nations? but do it the kingdom way. Mm. I know you know this, but we are now in a kingdom. Every one of you, when you received Jesus, you didn't join yourself just to an idea, to a better feeling, to just encouragement. There is so much life in this place because you have recognized that you have joined yourself to something supernatural. What Jesus brings to you is entrance into a kingdom. And once you're in the kingdom, all the rights, the privileges, the power, and the royalty of that kingdom are now accessible and applicable. You are a new creation, and that new creation is royalty. So would you just turn to somebody beside you and say, hello, your majesty. <laughs> I salute you, your highness. Now, the amazing thing about that is many times we understand that we have received a brand new life, but we don't understand the full measure of what that life entails. You did not just become born again. You became born into. So you were born into a kingdom, born into victory, born into freedom, born into power, born into dominion. Every one of you now has the rights and privileges that when Jesus gave you his position through him dying in your position there was a trading of places do y'all remember a movie called trading spaces it was trade places I like I like that movie I like that I like that that's one of my favorite movies looking good yes <laughs> what happens in that movie is two people from very different cultures different histories different backgrounds switch places so someone suddenly has full access to a life he didn't create or deserve. But once he was in that life, he had the right to access the money, the living situation, the friendships, and the connections. When you traded places, he took your place and died for you. But he gave you his place to live for him. So now that you're living for him, he's asking you, don't just live for me like you escaped something. Live like you're conquering something. So the full rights and privileges are now upon you. Now, let's look at that from a cultural aspect. Many times when we talk about black history or we talk about 
cultures or issues of what's happening around us and we want to get a fresh perspective. Part of my perspective on that is that I had the privilege of being born into a family that is five generations of preachers. Now that five generations of preachers was also in the southern part of the U.S. So I grew up in North Carolina. I grew up in the midst of racial issues, explosions, injustice. I saw a man when I was a child, the last person I saw hung was hanging from a bridge when I was a child. I saw that myself. I didn't have to wonder if racism was real. I didn't have to wonder about injustice. There is no man I knew in our community who was of color, whether Hispanic or black, who had not been stopped or pulled out of a vehicle. That was a normal occurrence. It was so normal that we simply were taught on these certain days, expect this to happen. We were taught when you are stopped, Act like this because if you say the wrong thing or look someone in the eye or you sound too uppity, they are going to do this to you. And so my father, who was brilliant, and my grandmother, who was a woman of God, was also ingenious in always saying, remember, those that do wrong are the minority. Those that do right are the majority, which meant even though a handful of people from a different culture are mistreating you, the majority of people in that culture have no ill will towards you. So please don't let your heart be destroyed because of how a few are loud. Part of being in the kingdom, because they were five generations of preachers, they had the perspective that since they were now born again, they could face injustice without being unjust. That you can bring transformation without changing who you are. If you understand that you are part of a kingdom that gives you rights and power. So the right and power you have, let's look back. We're going on a little journey. In the midst of a time of one of the greatest issues of international national conflict, racial unrest, injustice, cultural bias, economic Confusion in a time when people were being bought and sold based on where they were born in a place where you didn't have rights unless the country permitted you to have rights in that place. Jesus was born. In a place where they were killing babies, he was born. In a place where families were being destroyed, he was born. So we have to remember that this very thing we are now part of was instituted and begun by someone who was not far off from the idea of racial injustice, civic riots, problems, and disunity. He was born in the midst of calamity. So when we often have to deal with these issues, we must keep in our mind that being Christ-like does not remove your ability to transform, reform, or bring change. Being Christ-like means there is a kingdom model that you must operate in or you will become the thing you seek to destroy. He was born in it. Many times we use the excuse and say, I cannot be like the church and bring the change I want to bring. Then you don't understand the church. You may have seen church people, but you don't understand the church. 
The church, by definition, the word church means ecclesia. You know this. The word is ecclesia. For all of you who are read, you are readers, students. You are people of education. So ecclesia. Now, ecclesia, from which we get church, we call it those who are the sought-out ones. But that's not it. The foundation for ecclesia comes from a governmental structure of free people who come together to exact law. The very word for church means legislators. Ah, good morning. The very word for church, the very idea of church, when Paul is writing and he says you are the ecclesia, he is saying every one of you is now a lawyer on behalf of God to bring another kingdom so that the powers of the earth will respond and yield to a kingdom that is greater. If you know who you are and what you have joined, you are a walking power encounter. You are a living transformation. You are reformation on wheels, baby. You are the change you are looking for. If you know what you have joined. Now, most of us come into the kingdom escaping something. Oh, I know you know what I mean. Some of y'all escaped this morning. You was in it last night. You know you just got out. Oh, Lord. <laughs> you had to air your clothes out before you came in. <laughs> now, what? <laughs> just because it's legal don't mean it's good. So now... One of the things that happens, mm -hmm, this is why Vera loves me. Mm -hmm. I just believe in blowing stuff up. So what happens to us is this. Now, there comes a moment where you have to realize you came into the kingdom escaping something. But now that you're in the kingdom, you have to change your mind. You are no longer escaping. You have been found. Now that you have been found, you have been found for something. What were you found to be? To be part of an ecclesia. To be part of a legislative body that has permission from its kingdom to bring change. I want to touch on one other thing. The Bible says that when he sent them out, he said to them, the foundation of the church is built upon apostles and prophets. We hear that, we know that. But let's talk about what is an apostle. An apostle, by definition, is not someone who just goes around starting churches. That's a church planner. You know, just because you can cook food don't make you a chef. <laughs> you know, hello. If a cat has kittens in an oven, it don't make them biscuits. <laughs> what makes an apostle an apostle? The word apostle comes from a Greek word that means one sent out. It is the only one of the fivefold offices that has no Old Testament correlation because it comes from a Greek word. What is the Greek word and the picture? An apostle was one sent with an apostille, a writing from a government. And their job was to enter a territory and enter the school system and say, your schools must now teach what Rome teaches. And here's the paper that gives me power to change your school system. They go into the art community and say, you must build statues that look like Rome. This paper, this apostille says, your art now has to look like the art from Rome. 
They go into the business community and say, your businesses have to now send a tax to Rome. Why? Because your businesses have to now look like Rome. An apostle is not just one sent. They're sent with the power to make the culture they are in look like the culture of their kingdom. When we bring transformation, you are not just living in the world. You have the power and the permission to change the culture you're in and make it look like the kingdom you come from. If you believe you can do it. In the place where I grew up, in the midst of all this hatred and confusion, just like in the days of Christ being born in the time of Moses, Whenever God is going to raise up people to bring deliverance, they are often born in places of hardship. In that place of hardship, I remember crosses being born, burned in our yard. That was not something I had to imagine. I saw it. I did not have to wonder if division was real because I saw the Klan march down my street. I did not have to wonder if racism could be true on both sides because I remember Black Panthers trying to stir us to fight the white people. Racism exists on both sides. Racism is not an issue of power, it's an issue of heart. So we had to make a choice. What was the choice? I saw people in my community who took the kingdom and walked in the power of it, break the spirit of it. If you understand you come from a different kingdom, yes, we are going to create models by which we can change society. But the first step is recognizing you are not the same as everyone else. If you act like what you're sent to change, you yield to the spirit of it. You cannot cast out what is in you. You cannot break what you participate in. You lose your authority the moment you yield to the spirit you're sent to change. If you're going to break hatred, you have to operate in love so you can't let your tongue commit murder. If you're going to heal relationships, you cannot be bitter in your own house and think you have the power to heal families when at home you're cussing each other out. You cannot have the authority to change a city if you won't let God change your heart because your authority outwardly equals your authority inwardly. So to every level you will be encountering you must first be willing to let the kingdom rest in you how did we see racism break where I was growing where I grew up Madison North Carolina a tiny little town the little city right across the railroad tracks was called Mayo Dan Mayo Dan sounds like a place you don't ever want to visit <laughs> Madison and Mayo Dan were so small that they would always say them together. Now, Madison was where most of the people of color lived. Mayo Dan was where most of the white people lived. And the railroad track that ran between was the place where there was a sign that said, get out of town before dark. That sign was for everyone of color. So that around 6 o'clock, we made sure we crossed the railroad track because if we didn't, you would be beaten all the way back to your house. You couldn't call the police because the police chief was the head of the Klan. No, you always want to have two jobs. He was multitasking. <laughs> you know, just beat you while he shoot at himself. And so In that season, there was no one who was willing to do what was right or righteous except the people of God. 
They understood they were from a different kingdom. So instead of them cursing the darkness, Robert Louis Stevenson made this statement when he was young. He said when he was a boy and he saw them lighting the torches at night when they would light the street lamps, he asked the question one time. He said, what are they doing? And his father responded to him, they're punching holes in the darkness. Every time they light a torch, they're punching holes in the darkness. The greatest way to bring racial transformation, social transformation, economic transformation, is you must first realize your key job, number one job, is to punch holes in darkness. Wherever there is injustice, you must be just. Wherever there is unfairness, you must be fair. Wherever someone else is being persecuted, you must be their voice. You cannot stand for righteousness with a quiet mouth. To not speak is to agree. To not defend someone who is weak is to agree with the bully. Silence is not permissible in the kingdom of God. Let the weak say, I am strong. Let the Ah, poor say I'm in the kingdom. Everything is connected to your voice in the kingdom and the redeemed of the Lord say so. So in the kingdom, it is about you. Lift up thy voice like a trumpet and show the house of Israel their transgressions. Declare it and it shall come to pass. Decree a thing. It shall be established in the kingdom of God. It is in your mouth. So to be silent is to be a co-conspirator. In the halls of justice, there are no silent witnesses. Someone must speak. You have entered into a kingdom that requires you now to speak. So what do you do to begin to break it? In the place where I grew up, hundreds of years of racism had existed. We lived a few miles from the plantation where my great-grandmother had been owned. And in that same place, my great-grandmother, who was born a couple of years after slavery ended, but they never told the slaves for years slavery was over. I, I hope y'all know that. They call it Juneteenth Day for most people. Juneteenth is a holiday a lot of black people still remember because it was June 19th. Way over in Texas, several years after slavery ended, before the rest of the slaves ever heard slavery was over. So people were still slaves because to end slavery without telling me it's over means you've let me be a slave. You are complicit to my bondage. A quiet mouth is a co-conspirator. Suddenly, in the midst of this situation, when it was so bad, my great-grandmother began to gather with a dear white lady in male day who had experienced the presence of God, and they said to each other, we are going to break injustice and racism. Two women in the South. One with nothing, the other with everything to lose. And they come together and say, how will we do it? They said, we're going to pray, and then we're going to talk, and then we're going to stand. So what was the first key? They began to pray. What did they pray? Lord, bring this spirit down and heal our city. When they began to pray, everyone in their family said, you women are crazy. You're going to get yourselves killed. And they said, if we do what is right, it is God's job to protect us. <laughs> hey, it's amazing what you can do when you're not afraid. 
It's amazing how if people can't intimidate you, you can stand right there and look them in their face. It's amazing what you can do when you stop letting people threaten you into a submission. It's amazing what you can do when you say, if God be for me, who can be again? It's amazing what you can do when you realize it don't matter how they shoot. If the bullet can't hit, come on, baby, work your way. It's amazing what can be done when you let righteousness be your shield and wisdom be your movement. So they began to pray. And then they began to cook and invite all the women who were married to men of influence. And said, come and eat. My great grandmother could make a chicken glad it died. <laughs> oh, yes, she could. Yes, she could. She'd be in the kitchen getting the grease hot and the chicken would say, I'm going to willingly die. You hear me? The way that woman cook a chicken, just take me. <laughs> Made gravy so good, angels just skated on the pot. Just, just, woo, yes, Lord, yes, Lord. I believe the only reason they use anointed oil to touch the priest because they ain't met my grandmama's chicken. Just take a piece, just rub it on yourself, then eat it. Multitask with the bird. Multitask. <laughs> and they began to, why? Because many of us, we're often thinking of big ways to bring change. I'm going to talk about that in a minute. If you are not willing to bring change to your house, how can you bring change to a nation? So how do we first begin? You begin by inviting people who are not like you, who think differently than you, who are in the midst of the thing you're trying to affect, and you make relationship. You cannot affect change by always standing on the other side of the issue. You have to get in the heart of the person with authority to change it. They got in the same house and began to talk. Suddenly they realized while they're eating together, excuse me, that you're no different than me. Always remember the only reason that things live as long as they do in a separate condition and in a place of injustice is because I don't like you because I don't know you. I don't know you because I was told you're not worthy of my time. So the only way to break that is I have to give enough of my time to you to build a relationship to shift your mindset. We cannot change society yelling at each other from two separate streets. Someone has to cross the street and connect. Now, I'm always amazed because we have to understand that it begins with someone being willing. The moment I said you need to invite someone in your house that's different than you, ask yourself the question, who comes to your mind? Who do you immediately go, I would never eat a meal with them? That's the person you need to pray for. Whoever you dislike the most, start praying right now. Whoever you can't stand the most, you need to find a way to bless them. Why? Because in the kingdom, you disarm your adversary by the opposite spirit. In the kingdom, when they hate you, you love them. When they curse you, you bless them. When they do you wrong, you pray for them. The opposite spirit. If you don't operate in the opposite spirit, then you're not bringing the power of the kingdom, which means that's why many times when we are trying to change cities and change nations, the power of God does not show up to back us up because we're operating in the same spirit as the people we're trying to change. Opposite spirit. Where there is hate, be loving. 
Where there's confusion, bring peace. Where there's arguments, bring wisdom. Be the voice of reason. If they will not hear you, talk to someone else. If they ignore you, bring a group together and talk to them. Why? Because numbers cannot be ignored if the numbers have a plan. Ah. They got these people into the house and began to eat together. What began to happen? They then began to get in a bus. A bus. These old women in a bus. And they began to drive from church to church and pray. Suddenly now churches that had never had white people in it was full of white people. And churches that had never had black people was full of black people. And churches that had never had Hispanic was full of Hispanic. And suddenly they broke racism without ever telling the pastor, we're going to break racism in your church this week. They just said, we want to pray together. And suddenly they began to invade. Why? Because telling people what you're going to do allows them to prepare to resist you. Jesus never sent anybody a message on Facebook. <laughs> he didn't Instagram his plan. He showed up in front of somebody's house and said, get out that tree. We're going to eat tonight. I'm saying to many of you, God has put you in perfect locations to affect change, change culture, change the office where you are, the business where you work, the family that you're in, the place where you are standing. But the key is stop telling them your plan and just do it because you're giving people permission to resist you. Because some of us don't actually want to bring change. We just want to sound like we do. Because it sounds good to say you're going to fight the power. It sounds good to say we're going to stand as one. It sounds good. It makes for a good post. It makes for a good post. You get a whole lot of likes when you start talking about what you're going to do. That's good. That's great. That's great. That's great. That's great. Happy face emojis. Thumbs up. You awesome. I'm with you. Here's my picture. And then next year, it's still the same. Why? Because talking doesn't change anything and anger gives them permission to ignore you. Wisdom creates a strategy. Strategies have authority. Authority gets attention. That's found in the kingdom. He gave you authority to change every part of society and bring his kingdom into it. Not by talking. Paul said, I did not come to you with fine sounding words of men's wisdom, but in demonstration of the power of God, that your faith might rest in God, not in man. There has to be a power encounter. There has to be a demonstration. You've got to put your feet where your faith is. And when you show up, stand there till it changes. Don't rock. Don't apologize. Don't be afraid. Don't get angry. Don't be upset. But stand wherever God puts you. Stand there till the walls fall. Stand there till people come together. Stand there till everything shatters and changes. Why? Because if God has anointed you, there's not a devil, not a man, not a system that can resist you. Because if God is for you, he can make Egypt crumble, Babylon fall, and split a Red Sea. All he's got to do is be on your side. But that's if you are there to bring change. He anoints transformers. He empowers those that bring change. What do you really want to do? Ah, 
Is this, is this all right? Is this helping anybody? Is this, is this okay? I, I'm, I'm, I'm almost done. I'm almost done. I'm a... <laughs> when we began to see the level of racism began to fall in that place where I was growing up to the point that I remember when one of the heads of division in our whole area, a man who had burned crosses in our yard, a man who had tried to kill my brother, people who had brought confusion, showed up, showed up at my family's house for prayer. Because when they couldn't kill you, they'll eventually ask you, what do you have? Because you might not know, but we were in the trees trying to shoot you that night. And the gun jammed. Oh. <laughs> uh, I, I think you need to go for prayer over, over there. Uh, I felt all spiritual a minute ago, but right, uh, right now I'm about to call me some 911. I just... I believe in God, but you know, let me find my weapons. Now, what happens? <laughs> now, what happened was as he asked for prayer, the amazing thing was I watched my family pray. I'm watching them and I'm thinking, I don't think I'd pray for you. No, I know I wouldn't pray for you. Why? Because I'm still upset at all the evil you've done. Because I could not recognize this is the moment we prayed for. See, the moment I wanted was to be standing in the middle of the street with people recognizing that we had enough power to shut the city down. I wanted the satisfaction of everyone seeing my anger. Not recognizing that that simply propagates what I'm trying to change. And here we are with the man who with one word can shut down the clan. And he's asking us to pray. So am I going to stay in my anger or do what my family did? Come here, sir. Father, you made this man. We ask you today to cover him. Heal his heart, touch his family, restore everything he's lost. God, for all he did in ignorance, forgive him. And what he did knowingly, have mercy. Lord, he got a soul too, so save him on the inside and touch him. And as they're praying, he's weeping. As he's weeping, I'm listening and God says, do you understand the kingdom now? The kingdom pulls cities into order by winning one heart. One heart can change a city. If we're trying to shake a city and lose the person who could influence it, we have done nothing but make noise. One heart. He begins to weep, and as he goes home, he says this as he turns around. He said, you'll have no more trouble. He said, as long as I live, y'all will have no more trouble. Never saw another clan rally. No more crosses burned. No more churches with stuff painted on the front. No more 
issues with anybody. Suddenly we thought, what's going on? People were still the same in their heart, but it stopped that spirit. Why? Because we forget you've got to take a stronghold down. You don't take a stronghold down by, we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against, ah, so we're wrestling in the spirit, not in the natural. So if you don't have a plan that involves the spirit of God to be involved in your strategy, you've already given permission to the enemy to stay. Because smarter than us have tried to fix problems and problems yet remain. But there is no problem so big that God cannot break it. There is no kingdom so strong God cannot shake it. There is no word that God cannot reverse. There is no curse that God cannot lift. There is no nation that God cannot humble. He is still God. He is king above kings and Lord above lords. And the Bible still says, ask me for nations. Ask nations for thine inheritance. The uttermost parts of the earth for thy possession. God is still saying, who has the faith to ask me for cities and nations? But if you ask for a nation, have a plan. If you ask for a city, have a strategy. I say to Ark, I say to all of you kingdom shakers, you world changers, you reformers, you thinkers, God has anointed you and raised you up. He has put you in the places where he has educated you, informed you, walked you through systems and life, taught you what you've learned, not so that you could be seated in comfort, but you can be empowered to be launched forward and change what the generations before you could not change. You are the ones God is raising up. You are anointed. You are called. You are are empowered and if God is for you what does it matter what people say ah, it's time to dream ark dream about cities and nations dream dream about changing cities dream what I learned from my family in that short season I have now been allowed by God to implement many places of the world Mother Vera mentioned it, by the grace of God, I have done ministry and traveled to 60 nations. And in those nations, we have worked with governments. We have contracts for several years in England where we worked for years with the cabinet office and the Ministry of Defense and the Interior. We worked with them. We wrote a series of books where we trained their management. We trained them in communication and crisis management and how to deal with trouble. We also taught a series on excellence and integrity. They paid us to teach them how to think differently. What I learned in that little city in the midst of racism was what I then implemented when I was in Africa and villages had just finished killing each other. And God says, go in and get 300 pastors and leaders together in one place. And they wouldn't even look at each other because your tribe just killed my children. And now we're in one room and God begins to heal them. And after four days, they're dancing and singing together and they've rebuilt burned out huts and rebuilt their own businesses right in the place where hatred had existed. And we weren't famous for it, but we just did it. Why? Because the kingdom works. I need some of you to begin to transform your thought to the knowledge that you're in a greater kingdom. Don't use lesser skills when you're in a greater kingdom. Don't use the skills that people teach you how to shift and shake the city when you could take the city. Don't be content with lesser when greater is in you. You're giant killers. It's time to get your stones ready. It's time for you to say who you are and walk it out. And if you're going to do it, do it with joy.
I, I, I'm just about done. I'm going to finish with this. And in the midst of all that God has called you to do, be bold in your faith. Cities and nations are given to people who are bold. This whole idea of transformation that I saw God do and began to walk out. So what does that mean in this time? Let me now finish the story of the family. My great-grandmother, this poor woman born in the midst of all of this problem and pain and situs, situations, and she helped to bring down racism. This woman who heard the voice of God, let me tell you what she also did. She was a washerwoman, and she washed shirts. That was the only job she could get. She washed shirts. So back then, you would get a big black pot, fill it up with water, and make your own lye soap. And you would wash shirts all day and hang it on a line. She made her money by washing all the shirts of all the business people. That's what she was known for. And they knew that she was a woman of God. She was also, they called them a wet nurse. What is a wet nurse? It means when someone has a baby and they don't want to breastfeed their child, they would call in the older black women and have them nurse the little babies that had been born. 50-year-old women nursing babies. 60-year-old women nursing babies. But my great-grandmother said, she said, I never felt like it was an insult. Why? She said, I got to hold the people that were going to change this city. She said, so while others thought it, well, they were insulting me by making me hold that child. She said, I prophesied over them babies and said, when you get big, you're going to break this thing. When you become an adult, you're going to give my son a job. When you grow up, you're going to break this city. She said, I prophesied over the people. She said, and what happened? She said, didn't God do it? I said, oh, yes, he did. You've got to learn that you've got to see the situation you're in as an opportunity to affect it. If you stay bitter, you won't release what's in you. And she began to, while she's washing shirts and nursing babies, every few weeks she'd make an extra dollar. An extra dollar. A dollar wasn't a lot of money, but it was good money back then. A dollar. Can't even get a bag of Cheetos for a dollar now. Even them little bitty bags they give you on the, on the airplane. And I just need to tell you right now, I, I have had God have to help me not manifest. The last time I was on a the plane, they gave me a little bag so small, I opened it up and it was still full of air. I almost manifested. I did. I did. I had to speak in tongues to keep from manifesting. I thought, ooh, ooh. And then ask me, do you want something else? Do I want something else? I'm fat on purpose. This ain't accidental. Yeah, I want something else. A half a bag of pretzels. <laughs> you better be glad I ain't got no weapon. Now. <laughs> you know, if you can't laugh in church, you really don't know him. For the joy of the Lord is my strength. She makes this extra dollar. And she hears the Lord say to her, get land, Minnie, by land. So this woman who had no real education, this woman who's encountered the presence of God, this woman in the midst of racism who is helping to pray a different spirit begins to buy one acre of land for a dollar. Every few months she had another extra dollar. My 
grandmother, this black woman in the South, became the second largest landowner in the whole area. Why? Because since she couldn't read, she couldn't sign her name. She just had to put an X. So she'd send her children and she'd send the neighbor. So before you know it, she had all this land with other people's names on it, but it all belonged to her. So then one day, here comes Duke Power, the electrical company. They want to put up towers. The perfect place to put up towers was her land. But they didn't know it was her land. So when they come to her finally and said, we want to put up electrical power plants, put up the towers. She said, sure. And God said, don't sell it. She said, well, I'm not going to sell it. Okay, we'll do a lease. They give her enough money that it helps her buy another, build another house, pay for all her kids to get everything they need. So she suddenly goes by the word of the Lord, the strategy of God, hearing God at the right time. In the midst of slavery, in the midst of black people not owning anything, to own in all this land. And since it was leased, when the lease came due, and they had to pay us again. That money paid for every child in our family to go to college. From a woman who was born right after slavery. In the midst of racism. In an adversarial situation. Buying land. Educating children. Building churches. Traveling around. Receiving the Holy Ghost three years after Azusa. Teaching the power of the Holy Spirit. Her eight children, six of them becoming preachers. One of them walking around with a ministry that was much like Smith Wigglesworth. Henry Claybrooks in the South would shake people and command them to be healed. And miracles became out of the eight, 39 grandchildren. And 18 of them became preachers and built churches all across the South. And the rest of them 12 became teachers and educators, and out of that, it's now 205, and all 205 are born again and serving God. Why? Because how do we change society? One person who changes their one family, who changes their one city, who changes the state. Every one of you can transform your life and break injustice and break a spirit of racism and break classism and break division. How do you do it? Make a decision. I'm part of a different kingdom. And if you walk in the kingdom you come from, the kingdoms of this world have become the kingdoms of our Lord and of our Christ. <laughs> you can't lose for winning. Ah, if you know what you have. And you believe it works. If you don't believe it works, no one can convince you. If you believe it works, no one can stop you. What do you believe? I believe that the Lord is with you. I believe the hand of the Lord is upon you. I believe God has anointed many of you to go out and bring change. So I say a last few words. Be fearless. Be fearless. Be not afraid. If you are going to bring transformation and be a kingdom changer, you cannot let fear talk to you. When fear comes, answer fear and say, I know what God said. I will not stop. You have to talk to fear or fear will always talk to you. Be unafraid. For some of you, the greatest fear you must now face is the fear of people. You must deliver yourself from the fear of man. 
because you cannot be great and fear people. You will always yield to the loudest voice in the room until you know who you are. So every one of you believe in who you are. Believe that what God says about you is true. And then don't ever apologize for believing God. Don't you ever apologize for trusting God. Don't ever say, I'm sorry, when you're doing what God said do. You don't ever have to please people who are trying to kill your destiny. Walk in faith. The third, find people who believe like you believe and push each other on. Be great together. Be great together. And if you will do that, God will open doors. My last word of advice is real simple. Keep loving God. Whatever you do, every day of your life, love him on purpose. Be intentional. Love him with all your heart. Don't get so consumed with trying to change the world that you forget to stay in love with him. Don't get so consumed with trying to build something for God that you forget to have God in what you're building. Keep him in the center of all you do. Keep him in the middle of your heart. On the days when you can't feel him, you don't have to feel him to know he's there. Just trust. On the days when the whole world is fighting you, enjoy the fight. Because God is still with you. When everybody tells you you can't do it, then you need to send out messages. Watch me work. <laughs> I had someone tell me once, when you go overseas, my first mission trip, my first mission trip was to Nepal. My first. Not Canada, not Mexico, Nepal. <laughs> I had not been out of the country. I had never been further than Virginia. <laughs> I didn't ever want to visit a state where they don't fry food. God had to convince me to move to California. Y'all eat too many vegetables. Too many vegetables. I'd fry water if it wouldn't burn my house down. <laughs> Be dropping ice cubes in grease right now. Just poof. <laughs> And the Lord says to me, I'm calling you to go and change nations. You're going to be a prophet for me. I said, what do you want me to do? He said, go to Nepal. I said, Nepal. I said, where is Nepal? <laughs> <laughs> I had to buy a map to figure out where I'm going. And the church that I was in at that time, they were doing a series of mission trips and they announced, we're going to go to Nepal. I said, oh, I can go. The Lord told me to go. I went forward and said, I believe I'm supposed to go to Nepal. They said, have you ever been on a mission trip? I said, no. They said, oh, this is not a good first mission trip. <laughs> You're going to be there for a few weeks and we're going out. We're not going to be in Kathmandu. We're going to take you out. You're going to be in villages that have no electricity, no running water. I said, well, the Lord said, go. They said, but you've never been on a mission trip. And I was about 80 pounds bigger then than I am now. And they looked at me and said, <laughs> they said, you going to Nepal and 
like it's going to be a handful of rice and we don't want you to eat nobody. <laughs> I mean, I was... <laughs> I'm not saying I'd bite you, but don't show up before I eat. Just saying. <laughs> and the Lord said, go. And I went. Before I left, a prophetic person came to me and said, I had a dream. I see you in a coffin. What? <laughs> I see you in a coffin. You're dead. <laughs> you know, so many of us, we get so dramatic. And instead of praying for the other outcome, we just say the negative. Many times God showed you the negative so you'll pray, not so you'll say. You're going to go and die. Don't go to Nepal. Don't go. Don't go. And had 11 other intercessors agree with them. I left the prayer meeting crying. Crying. I'm in the car. I'm going to die. Lord, are you sending me to die? I'll still go, but did I disobey you? Am I, am I just going to die? Is this a test of my faith? Oh, can you just kill me here? <laughs> At least let me die and not spend all the money. <laughs> and my sister was in the prayer meeting, and she looked at me. She said, yeah, yeah, I got a bad feeling. <laughs> you know, even your family will join your misery. And I called my father. My dad was always my pastor growing up, such a man of God. I called him. I said, Dad. He said, why are you crying? I said, I just left the prayer meeting. They said, I'm going to die. <laughs> he started laughing. I said, why are you laughing? He said, boy, you so dumb. <laughs> <laughs> he said we've prayed about this and we've gotten confirmation did God tell you to go yes sir do you believe you heard God yes sir he said then shut up <laughs> get on the plane I said but what if I die greatest lesson I ever learned he said then you die obeying he said if you live disobedient what joy is that? It's better to die obeying the will of God than to live forever in fear. So son, get on the plane. The greatest thing I ever saw when I got to Nepal, we went through a series of times and we don't have time to go through it all, but they tried to kidnap us. They were shooting at us. We had people show up and they tried to kill us. We saw miracle after miracle after miracle. The guy I was preaching with, he had been on 19 mission trips. I had been on zero. On day two, he looked at me because there was no food in the village where we were. And he just couldn't stand it. And he stayed in his room for the rest of the mission trip and ate crackers and Vienna sausage. Because all we had was rice and peas. And I loved rice and peas. And I'm eating rice and peas and prophesying to the people. And he's up in the room sweating, going, I can't believe there ain't no food in this place. <laughs> 19 trips. Why? God needs some of you to know 
You cannot hide behind others any longer. Even if you don't know as much as you think you need, step out in faith. Because the greatness that's in you has not been revealed because you keep letting other people do what he told you to do. And you'll never know you can kill a giant till you stand in front of it. You'll never know the Red Sea will part until you have nowhere else to go. You'll never know that God will answer you until you cry out to his name. Some of you, the key is stand in the uncomfortable place until God shows up. And in this place, on the last day, they had been beating drums for two days. And I said to him, that's wonderful. He said, what do you mean? I said, it sounds like the worship team is preparing for us to come. He said, that's not a worship team. They're cursing you. <laughs> I said, how <"Hum>, who? <laughs> Pastor Hardy, he said, they're cursing you. I said, they're cursing me? He said, yes. He said, there's been so many miracles that in that village across, that's all of the holy men. And they started cursing you, praying that you would die. Because the people are turning to your God. I thought, okay. I was walking down to go to the river and I thought I just need to cool off. So I was going to get in the river as I'm walking toward the river. Pastor Hardy said, listen, if you're going to get in the river, just be careful of one thing. If you see a tiger, don't run. I said, you ain't met nobody black. <laughs> I said, I'm going to tell you right now, if I see a tiger, I'm going to leave my shoes. I'm going to run like I'm Carl Lewis. I'm going to run like I am just, oh, yeah, I'm going to run. I'm in the river bathing, and there's a monkey in the tree, and the monkey starts watching me because I'm singing and speaking in tongues, and I'm just worshiping. Hallelujah. And I hear I look up and the monkey looking. When I look up this way, there's a tiger sitting. So the tiger's watching me. I'm looking at the monkey. The monkey watching me. I'm watching the tiger. And I'm thinking, please let the tiger see this monkey. I don't want the monkey to die, but if there's a choice. I'm just saying. I'm just saying, if, if y'all ever travel with me, you're going to come back safe. But if I trip you, just die for Jesus. Yes. It's a sacrifice for the Lord. I'll see you on the other side. Okay. <laughs> ah, just pray for me. It's get worse after this. And as I get up out of the water and I'm going back, the Lord says, do you believe I'm real? Yes. Do you believe I'm with you? Yes. Did I send you? Yes, you did. He said, then ask me for the whole village. I said, Lord, save the village. He said, I haven't been able to move because you won't ask me for something big enough. He said, you keep struggling to see one healing, one miracle. He said, I told you miracles would follow them that believe. But nobody has asked me for this whole village. Ask me for the village. I said, Lord, save the village. The next day, they come to us. I'm cutting the story. They come to us and they said, the chief says, come. He had refused to hear us. We went to the chief and I began to preach. And as the power of God comes, a man comes up who was fully possessed. He was crazy. He comes out of the woods and his nails are long like this. And the interpreter, I said, what's going on? She said, he's the crazy man of the village. 
He doesn't know who he is or where he is. I said, bring him. The Lord's going to deliver him. We prayed for him and instantly the Lord delivered him. His mind came back. He looked at his mama and said, mama, where am I? And for the first time in years, he was sane. When his mind came back, they brought a child and the child had been having seizures. We prayed God delivered her. Why am I telling you this? Two miracles suddenly. The witch doctor who had come up to shut down the service, when he saw the miracles, suddenly he took off running. As he's running away from the village, I said to the chief, do you believe Jesus is real? I do. Do you believe he has power? I do. Will you preach this to all? Yes. I said, then bring the village. The whole village got saved in 15 minutes. When we got there, the church was eight people. When we left, it was 313. Why am I saying that to you? That was my first trip. I say to you. I'm telling you that on purpose. The Lord said to me in my spirit, he said, tell them that I am going to open doors for the ark where you are going to be instrumental in cities and in nations to bring transformation to the way people think. And you are going to go in with the kingdom power of God to bring a revelation that Jesus is real. Don't let anything affect your faith. Say what he gives you. Speak what he tells you and be bold in it. The Lord is with you. Father, we declare over this house, may the supernatural power of God rest upon each of you to a greater measure. May the Lord unlock in this place all the gifts, the graces, the anointings that you carry so well, but may they break loose and begin to flow like water. May you become as bold as a lion. May the Lord cause you to write new songs, pen new music, create new art and new media. May you come together as teams to strategize how to change whole cities. May those of you in business connect with those of you in justice and work with those in education to see plans from the spirit of how to change whole areas over a 20-year model. May you become a think tank for the kingdom of God. May God breathe upon you ingenious ideas, connect you to corporations, companies, educational facilities, universities, and houses of government where you shall become the strategist for national reformation. May the Lord cause you to speak the right word at the right time so that those that hear you will know God is with you. And may you always know that greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. May the Lord bless the ark, the leadership of the ark. May your hands be full of oil. May your hearts be full of power. And may your houses be full of peace. We declare these things in the mighty name of Jesus, our Lord and Savior. Amen and amen. amen. Wow. Amazing. Amen. Amen. Thank you so much, Prophet Michael, for that word. Yeah. Wow.